like jets. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rare room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules, just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning in to the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. Any topic. Even the random. Brand. I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the rare room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guess, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? 2015. Yeah. <laughs> On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and what else? Shit like that. You know Shit how it goes. like that. Exactly. <laughs> See how we talk, Todd? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're just getting started. You oh, haven't yeah, seen anything yet. Begin, yeah, we ain't even begin yet. Um, I have to work on my synchronous speak, though. <laughs> you have to find something to all say together. <laughs> well, That's why he didn't want to scare yeah, you, but we would have said it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but at the end, you can join in with us when we say 2015. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Pete, you're on the hood. People say keep it 100. Uh, okay. So okay. my boy, Bill Tobb. Was like, nah, you guys are better than that. You got to go up. So uh, I was like, well, what year is it? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so every year we're going to be 2015, 2016. Okay, you know? good. Anyway, so y'all know how we do it on the rant room. Um, we got a special, special thing today. Yay. My man, um, just so you know, you guys don't hear Lisa Bolacaja. She's out doing her thing, her little pimp thing. We call her the street nerdist because she's cool like that. See, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so I got my man, Kevin Killerbrew, sitting with us. So y'all hear his little sexy voice. Hola, como esta? <laughs> That was the ghetto Spanish I've heard in my life. <laughs> no, no bueno. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Which, by the way, Todd, I was really impressed. I was over at your house because, yeah. um, you know, I'm working on a project with your, with your husband. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I didn't even know that, that Scott spoke fluent Spanish. Oh, he's good. I mean, full on. But I got the, but the, but the I was like, what the fuck? He's <laughs> <It's> good. <laughs> I was really impressed. Well, where did you learn? What have I learned? Where did he learn? Oh, where did he learn? Uh, Just around town. From the housekeepers and and, and ah. friends and he, you know, we have a hot we have a hot lady who's cleaned her house for many years. She's really patient. She really te- you know she really speaks slowly so that I really? can understand her. You know, <laughs> so you I, understand I, a little bit too. Uh, a little tiny bit. Kids <laughs> understand more than I do. Sure, understand. No, but that that just impressed me. I thought that was hella funny. Um, so anyway, so check it out. If you guys are ready, you guys are grown. Let's get it in. So you guys already hear his voice. That's my man, my home team, my big bro. <laughs> we can get him over here. Hey. Yeah. Ratchet. Todd Holland, what you say? Ratchet. Ratchet. You, you keep the ratchet. Um, but that's my man over there. You guys heard his voice. That's Todd Holland, director, writer, producer, oh, yeah. Emmy winner, DGA winner. I mean, um, I can go down the list. Golden I Globe? Did you win a Golden Globe? No. Nominated for a Golden Globe? I'm sure I've been uh, He's like nine to ten yeah, of them. Like, I know, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> trying to keep it all humble. Yes, he's like humble. Yeah. Wait till he starts cursing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. WGA, nominated him and all kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> y'all look him up. Y'all know who he is. Y'all, matter of fact, you know, we always say, Google him, motherfucker. Google him. <laughs> Google. <laughs> Google him. Google him, bitch. So, what I want to do is, um, let's just go back. Back into like how you got into the game, okay. how it all happened, and then we'll spend a lot of time. I want to talk about process, your okay. process, right. um, 
um, what it's like to set up shows, okay. you know, especially from a director producer point of okay. view. Good. Um, and stuff like, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll find it. Okay. You know, because I mean? we'd be spitballing on the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, I got started uh, straight out of UCLA Film School. Yeah. I did a short film. I mean, this is back in the day, you know, you can look it up. Like a year or two ago. <laughs> you can look it up. <laughs> back, so uh, back when film school was, there was no internet. So put it that sure, way. Yeah. And so uh, I did a short film that it took me three and a half years to make this 12 and a half minute movie. Because it was, was, it, was that film? Was that why? It was film and it was, <laughs> it was practical effects and I sort of oh, did okay. everything myself. It was called Chicken Thing and it was about a five-year-old boy. It was set in the ambiguous 50s, sort mm-hmm. of non-present and sort of an homage to Bump in the, Bump in the Night movies about okay. a five-year-old boy who watches too many scary movies and at night during an electrical storm, his the lights go out, the power goes out and his bedroom dresser transforms into Love this it. gigantic chicken cool. monster. Oh, yeah, that's good. Like yeah, you know, so it really was um, this kind of thing about he because he watched so many scary movies. It's like who's in control, you or the medium? Okay, like who's okay. what's real, mm-hmm. basically. And um, uh, basically, it took me so long to make it that my <laughs> film school friends who worked on it got jobs. Wow, <laughs> it was the best advice I've never been given, which is go to <laughs> film school in California <laughs> because all your friends get jobs. <laughs> No, I've never been. Did you do that? People what, what, that I've never been me? given. What about me? I was never given that. I was never given that advice. And you got people go to. I was thinking about. I should have gone to NYU because I'm from the East. I should have sure. gone to NYU, or mm-hmm. I should have gone to Northwestern, or, or something. I should have gone back East because California was not my thing at all mm-hmm. when I got here at 18. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, but you know what happens is your friends get jobs, and one friend got a job working mm-hmm. as assistant to Kathleen Kennedy. Oh. Wow. You know, yeah. At Amblin. And she's wow. called me up and said, get your film and get your film. And we're picking second season directors for Amazing Stories. Really? So that ah. right there. It was nineteen eighty. Talking about a good show back right, in the day. Yeah. 1986. It was mm-hmm. second season, the year mm-hmm. nobody watched. But, <laughs> but what was great is, you know, I, I got my film in, like mm-hmm. me and the color timer, and, and that's it. And I'd seen it. Me and the color yeah. timer had seen it. And I gave it to Steven Spielberg. And my friend famously went down and took it from the bottom of the stack and put it on the top of the okay. stack. Okay. And Steven was shooting the color purple at the time and yeah. had no free time for six months and then walked in that day and said, where's Deborah Jellin was his head of development. And um, they said she's watching student films in the screening room. And mm-hmm. he walked down, sat down, and watched my film yeah. uh, unsolicited. Wow. And said, I want to meet this guy. <clears throat> and so I met, he got a call. I met Steven. Um, he actually said, this is a good story for you, you know, but he actually said, do you write? And I said, yes, I do. And I handed him a script. Oh, my bag. Wow. What's the lesson we always talk about? Oh, have man. Have some ready. That's right. Okay, exactly. So I had my back. Oh, here, yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. This goes for the half something else. <laughs> and he took it and he said to me um, very meaningfully, and I was 26, I didn't understand the meaning. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to read this tonight. And I just kind of <laughs> went, I just kind of went, yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know, I was, and he says, no, and he repeated it. He goes, no, I'm going to read it tonight. And I went, and I didn't realize, and I was 26. Yeah. I didn't realize that Steven Spielberg doesn't read stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. someone will read it and give him coverage. Yeah, right, blah, 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 right. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he read it personally that night, wow. called the next day. Wow. And, he, and it was a Halloween thing. And he said, well, we already have our Halloween script. Do you have anything else? Yep. And I said, yes, I do. Okay. And I wrote a script that week. You did? <laughs> now, you hear that, people? The answer is, yes, I yes, do. And yes, go I home do. and write it. And I wrote a script in, in a weekend <laughs> wow. that I turned in and they bought. What? Um, and oh then uh, I met the producer because it was, again, it was an extension of Chicken Thing, really. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was this whole about the medium and who's in control. And then I, they bought it and they hired me and I was, I was doing an episode, my first 
professional gig ever, writing and directing. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and I met the producer, and he's like, "This is unproducible." And he just like <laughs> he just ripped me a new asshole and just set me out. I was in tears, literally. I was, I was in tears. I've never spoken really? to you like that. By wow. <laughs> and then I sort of went away, and I said, "Okay." what is this script about? Mm. And I had to break it down. And I had not been conceptual at that. I was very instinctual and Mm -hmm. not conceptual. And I had to sit down and think conceptually, what is this about? How can I take what it's about and turn it into elements that are producible? And and I did. And I I did this massive rewrite. I pitched it and then turned it in. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what we shot. We shot this thing. We got to, it was all about a kid who wishes life, well, that's why it's the adolescent extension of chicken thing. Mm-hmm. It's about a kid who wishes life could be like a movie so badly. He wishes on a shooting star. Why can't life be like a movie? Oh, cute. Yeah. And then he ends up stepping into the movie Psycho. Really? <laughs> he finds himself in Janet Lee's dress. Really? <laughs> Norman Bates coming down the stairs with, with a knife. I have got to oh, see that's so, cool. And I saw sort of that ancient Chinese thing, uh, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Right. Because he got, he got his wish. That's life was like a movie. Yeah. He didn't yeah. win, but he didn't specify who he wanted to be in the movie uh, and, so, and then he realizes that life is better than a movie and okay. it's this whole thing he escapes that fate wow but we got to rebuild cabin one of the base really? motel back before the tv show base motel mm-hmm. we got to shoot at the base motel in the back lot and rebuild the room and we got to shoot in black and white wow we went to black and white so it was really exciting it was super exciting mm-hmm. now was that your decision aesthetically to do black and white oh, or was yeah, it yeah it was okay. a cycle. okay cool yeah. Be, yeah but it was like this amazing first First gig ever. Mm-hmm. Wow. And on the Universal lot shooting, because Amblin was based at Universal, but right. we were doing a movie, a Universal movie. Wow. And we got permission. Wow. To, to mimic this, all this wow. stuff. Wow. You know? Um, so it was kind of amazing. And it was a, that was the best postgraduate school I ever could have asked for. They were a very gracious group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, Joan Bradshaw, the UPM, went on to do massive movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Carter, design, production designed it. He did like uh, Back to the Future and Jurassic, one of the Jurassic Parks. And he's done massive mm-hmm. movies for Steven. Mm-hmm. So it was it was kind of this amazing, wow. amazing, uh, experience, amazing start. And then I started doing Actual television. Um, now, now, how do you make that leap from? Because that was that was that was a movie. That was TV. What that was, was an anthology television. That was the TV. Half hour. Oh, okay. Amazing stories. Okay. Oh, every that's right. That's right. every show was a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it was a brand new cast, brand new sets, brand mm-hmm. new story, brand new everything. Right. So it was kind of you know a throwback to the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I remember. I remember now. I just had a yeah. Yeah. one step little... beyond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there some were, and not in the Amazing Stories case. Some were very comedic. Some were scary. Some yeah. Were, you know, um, science fiction, science somewhere, fiction, yeah, some horror, fantasy, yeah. horror. I mean, there well, were all those well, places. Let me ask you a quick question. <clears throat> now, you, 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 you were talking about you grew up on the East Coast. Were you? Did you grow up like one of those kids, like Kevin and I, reading comic books and oh, yeah. shit like that? Because one of the things that that like looking over your bio, I mean, you have you have a mixture of shows that you you know he's directed over one hundred and what seventy five yeah. mm-hmm. whatever shows and television hours of television. That's crazy. <clears throat> That's like a lot of it's hours. It's episodes. Episodes. Forgive yeah. me. Well, it's still an hour, pretty much. <laughs> well, some yeah. of them are half hours, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's a that's a trip because even though a lot of your shows are comedies, mm-hmm. people would be surprised to know how much of a genre geek you are too. Oh, well, the surprise is I'm a complete genre geek. Totally. <laughs> and no, com- not so you're not surprised. Comedy, <laughs> comedy is a, an accident. Mm-hmm. Comedy's an accident. It's just that I've always, in Chicken Thing, Chicken Thing was a horror comedy. Yes. Okay. And it, when it, it 
got me jobs for 10 years. I mean, mm-hmm. it was people was that successful as a as a document for my my talent, my skill sets. Mm-hmm. And so I got offered, you know, or sent uh, a slasher film and I got sent Big Top Pee Wee. Really? People didn't know what it was because yeah. it was successfully suspenseful and mm-hmm. successfully funny. And mm-hmm. be, that's, I mean, the challenge <laughs> of my career until this new dawn of tele, this new age of television mm-hmm. we're in now was always, I love tones that were up on two wheels between okay. drama and comedy. Mm-hmm. A little hybrid of some and sort. comedy. Sure. I, mean, I always say comedy is like fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> it's best as a side dish. Okay. As an entree, okay. it's just gross. Yeah. It's yeah. Funny. <laughs> I'm funny. I'm going to use that too. It's just too much. It's a dish. Comedy's a dish best served cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just too much. It's just, so, I mean, I love like, like, I love all that hybrid stuff that mm-hmm. for a long, long time was really rare, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's becoming very much the cable voice sure, sure. is the hybrid the like, mashups shows like Orange is the New Orange is the New Black that don't really belong in the comedy category. No, right. You know what I mean? But they fancy themselves, you know, weeds and mm-hmm. I mean there's so many shows that I did not think were actually comedies mm-hmm. that are considered comedies because this twisted humor mm-hmm. with slice with, of life with emotion and with mm-hmm. dramatic emotion. Mm-hmm. It's very common now, but it was not common when I got started. Yeah. There were like a handful of us that Well did you're that. you're known for being like the single camera, like creating that comedy mixture in the first yeah. place. Yeah. You know, um, I don't want to jump so far because I do want to get into that. But don't forget, we need to talk about that at some point because that's some important okay. shit. Um, so so that's what launched you into television? That launched me. And then I, I did the two amazing stories, my first two gigs. Mm-hmm. I actually got to re handed me a second one. The first one was successful and they were very happy. So they had another one left in the season. It was a chance to rewrite and direct. And mm-hmm. so... I took this script called Thanksgiving and it was, you know, I rewrote it and mm-hmm. it was my first time. The rewriting was easy. The mm-hmm. hard part was directing. Oh, really? So, directing words I had not conceived because oh, I'd only yeah. conceived stuff. Okay. I'd only had directed stuff in student films and my first amazing stories that were completely organic to mm-hmm. me and my mind, you know? And so it was really a challenge <clears throat> to like interpret <laughs> that first time <laughs> somebody else's words, right. even though I'd rewritten them, you know? But that was, it was a. And I actually learned, I'll tell you, I learned my biggest lesson. Sure. It that? was with Kira Sedgwick and David Carradine that episode. Okay, mm. cool. And David was, the AD came up to me and said, we think David's drinking. And I'm 26. He has to drive a vehicle in the next scene. He goes, she find out if David's drinking. I go, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I mean, I'm 26. You're the AD. You're 10 years older than me. Maybe you can find out. I don't know. So, you know, so like go up and talk to him and have him breathe in your face. You know what I mean? And so, and so, and so we're trying to figure out if he's, if he's able to drive the vehicle because an actor has to be hanging on the edge of it and, you know, and all, blah, blah. So, Anyways, he's very intimidating overall. And mm-hmm. I was 26, and he looked at me like I was, like, 12. <laughs> you know? And I looked young anyway, so I probably looked like I was 22 yeah. <laughs> or 21. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, and I finally, you know, we solved that whole issue, and mm-hmm. he was able to drive the vehicle, suffice it to say. <laughs> um, and so then he, he wanted to, he was impatient, wanted to go back to his trailer, and he said, do you need me for this next scene? I said, no, we're not using you. Go mm-hmm. back to your trailer and rest. So then we set up this next shot, which was at this bottom of this fake well, and Kira Sedgwick is trading meat for gold, for alien gold that's coming up from this well. They don't know what's Oh, the- I remember that. He was her, he was her father. They had, and yeah, he was on yeah, a, a ranch on a reservation yeah. and she yes. got this gold and she went, she oh, kept trading. I love that. And it was like, you don't, yeah. she didn't know what she was, who she was trading with, but yeah. weird messages on alien yeah. fonts would come up. And oh, would, they said, oh, she was sending them food. She food. was sending them food down the oh, thing and they were like, oh, we love this. Yeah. They said, oh, we, and the trans are, we like this. Ham. What else have you got? What else have you got? And she kept up in this 
mistakes, you know, getting more and more gold. Right. And, and then her stepfather her got got greedy, and then it all goes badly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that episode. But, you know, so I'm looking up the bottom. I'm with the camera. I'm laying in the dirt, looking up at this up this fake well mm. at Kira. And I thought, oh, it would be really great if David was there. Mm. But I didn't want to bring him back. And I, I didn't set this up well, but I will. But so I, so I, I shot the thing without him, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I kind of hated myself that I kind of failed to have the nerve to pull this actor oh, okay. back out of his trailer. But it all cut together well, and it, you never would notice in a million years. Mm-hmm. But what I learned in that moment that kind of changed my whole, my whole experience of my own career was mm-hmm. because. I had done everything in film school. Like I had designed and built the sets and mm-hmm. bought the lumber and cut the lumber yeah. and put it up and painted it and baked the carrot cake for the crew. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I did everything. I bought yeah. the film. I drove in my car and bought the film of Kodak and brought yeah. it back and loaded the cameras. Because I'd done everything, mm-hmm. filmmaking, directing to me was a very hammer and tape measure, okay. kind of hard practical mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't mushy or, or un, unknowable. And I realized in that moment of failing to act upon my instinct to have David come in, uh, I realized that okay. it's not a hammer and tape measure kind of job. I am paid to be an amorphous blob of instinct. I'm paid Ooh, to feel things. I like that. And I'm paid to say, to speak of them, speak of mm-hmm. what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, and I didn't, it was a whole revelation to me on my second job. I am here to just feel shit mm-hmm. and tell people what I feel. <laughs> okay. And I, okay. I didn't, I had no idea that's what, that was what I was, that yeah. I had been doing because the DNA of everything I'd done to that moment, which wasn't a lot, was so mine mm-hmm. that I couldn't separate it from myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, you know, but. Awesome and then, well, let me give you an addendum to that. Um, I love stuff, love creative stuff. And so I just woke up one day and said, well, I would like to direct a short, didn't know anything about it, didn't go right. to film school, mm-hmm. and I was wondering, should I go? And my friend gave me a book. And the book on page five said, this is the job of the director. Have a vision and let everyone do their job. <laughs> yeah. I closed the book and I was like, well, that's all I need to know. And I let everybody do their job. <laughs> I'm like, you got to page five. I got to page five. <laughs> I got to. Pay, I got that on page five, and I closed the book. And the and you know the the shoot. Well, that's what you're saying. So the shoot was, I'm here to protect the people to do their job. So this guy yeah. comes out of the out of the alley, mm-hmm. and he's like, you can't shoot here. And he was yelling at the crew, and I said, keep walking. I looked at the guy, and I said, if you ever yell at my crew again. I'll fucking throttle you. <laughs> and so the police ran down to Kevin. That's not what you're supposed to do. But that lesson is a huge yeah. lesson that yeah. you're there to protect them to do their thing yeah. to make you look good. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just that simple. Protect and respect them. And respect mm-hmm. them. Let them do their thing. And, and also, you know, know when there's bad actors in the crew and set them straight. Because you're protecting your crew from your crew. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean bad actors in not just the actor, but bad actors in the crew, in the, in the department. You know, if there's somebody who's pissing on the whole thing and just got a bad attitude, it's your job to protect the energy of the whole company mm-hmm. and make a change. Mm-hmm. That's why. So it was interesting to hear um, when um, Christian Bale went berserk. Oh yeah, and people were like, <laughs> I was going, "Where's the direct? Who, who is there? Anybody right. else on this right. set except right. for him exactly. going berserk for four minutes, yelling at the cinematographer, <laughs> who's just like, oh, I'm just walking by. I'm fucking blah, blah. I'm yeah, like, exactly. wow. So yeah, that's a good, that's good words that he's telling. I love yeah, that. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So how did it? Um, 
How did you proceed from there? So well, from there, I got started being sent stuff because, you know, we're good word of mouth. And then mm-hmm. I got I took my actual my very first true episodic gig because those were um, anthology. Yeah. So it's all like little movies. Mm-hmm. And then I did uh, my first one hour drama series back in the day. I did Max Headroom. Oh, Max Headroom. Amanda. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Loved her because he came from the Coke commercials. Yeah. Oh, Max did. Yeah, yeah Max. Max did. Yeah. Um, you mean the girl? The girl? Yeah, um, Amanda Pays. I want to say is her name or something like yeah, that. Is yeah, is that it? Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Man, it's been a long time. Um, so <laughs> and that was a seven day shoot for Lorimar at the time. Seven day, one hour, really yeah. fast. I mean, really. I'm they're doing that again now, but at ABC Family. But it was fast and furious, and mm-hmm. I got invited to come back for a second episode, okay. and then it got canceled. And so my first time experiencing. <laughs> Sounds like my career. <laughs> no, no, no. I was on a plane. I was going home. I was on a plane. My sister was reading. The paper, and I see on the back of the paper, I'm looking at it going, Max Hedren canceled. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea it was pre internet, you know. But I was my first time experiencing that once they book you, they gotta pay you. That's right. And I got paid for that. Nice. I thought I had to do it. And I started realizing that's a good thing if you can mm-hmm. figure out how to rate it. So I did Max Pay Hedrum. your play, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did another anthology series for HBO. I did a show called Vietnam War Story, okay. which was, again, it was uh, Patrick Duncan was a vet who had come back and, and it was a writer that who generated this series that was all these different slices into the, it's kind of the World War Z of Vietnam, you know, all these slices into the Vietnam experience of every possible entry point, you know, mm-hmm. boot okay. camp to like, to like the rehab afterwards to, you know, whatever it was, it was all these really interesting, all guests, mm-hmm. all anthology, brand new cast. So I did one of those, which was great, really mm-hmm. challenging, a real drama with a visual suspense, really. Um, uh, Can I ask you a question, yeah. if you don't mind? What's it, what's it like? Um, so you were going from this, these half hours to yeah. now doing uh, an hour. Right. Did you, how do you, how do you prep for that? Are you, did you shadow the director? Like, what's it like for, for prepping the next director to come and do an episode? Um, you know, I can't remember f- so far back to Max Headroom what okay. I did, but I know that I always go, I, you know, back then I'm sure I shadowed. I mean, mm-hmm. I must have. I mean, I would have made me shadow if, if I'd been hiring <laughs> me. Um, uh, so I'm positive I must have. But you really just go hang on the set. It's not exactly shadowing. It's okay. sort of more hanging out mm-hmm. and observing and kind of seeing how it works. So mm-hmm. you want to know that. Sure. I mean, you go in your pre- – if you don't officially shadow beforehand – as some sort of pre-qualification or, you know, I've done that when they said you have to watch, you have to shadow once and then you, you know, but, but in my prep, I tell my directors, you make sure you spend a day on set, mm-hmm. you know, um, because you got to know just how the company works. Mm-hmm. You don't know, like, what's that deal with the DP and mm-hmm. what's, you know, how does he function with the director and mm-hmm. what's the script supervisor like? And, you know, um, so you got, you got to spend time on the set. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, again, comedy is an accent. We're getting to that, but I mean, it's sort of this, just, I don't find these genres that different. That's mm-hmm. why I'm weird because mm-hmm. I don't, but I don't do like super butch dark stuff mm-hmm. like the <laughs> NCIS. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's people who are so fucking serious. <laughs> Not NCIS. I mean, uh, as, uh, the other one. Law and like, Order. The, no, the other one's initials. Um, oh, Not um, NCIS. That's got comedy. Uh, yeah, the other one is, uh, is the CSI. 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 Like CSI. the ones that are so, the Bruckheimer mm. stuff, it's so fucking Procedural. serious. It's so, procedurals are fine. No, it's, it's so macho serious. Yeah. There's okay. not a wit of hum- yeah, humor yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, that's not the real world. Mm-hmm. The real world is not that serious True. all the time. So Although I have the one trouble. with William Peterson wasn't. He was kind of kind of a 
dry wit. I guess you watch more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I judged it harshly. <laughs> I exited the building. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't. I, so, anyways, I, I that's the one thing I don't do because I, I, you know, I, I tend to always like stuff that has. And so I would get. I started getting offered. Okay. Well, first I did, and then I developed a bunch of movies. I got a deal at Universal mm-hmm. and developed a bunch of movies that none of which got made, but all got made without me. And or, <laughs> I, you know, I did a screen test for I, Howard Franklin, who just had the King of Seven B this pilot this year. Mm-hmm. He wrote this brilliant script that Bob, um, because I was in the Amblin camp, mm-hmm. Bob um, Zemeckis. Zemeckis couldn't do. Oh, really? So Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis suggested me, mm-hmm. and so I was you know prepping this thing with this big feature with Marty Bregman, who's this old Hollywood <laughs> icon, mm-hmm. crazy Hollywood icon. <laughs> Um, he had a walk. He had a, was a polio kid, and he walked with a cane and called you darling. <laughs> straight and it called you darling. And he was British, but he wasn't. You know, um, so um, but a crazy character, mm-hmm. honestly. And but he wrote this brilliant script, and I did a screen test with this guy mm-hmm. named who nobody heard of, named Liam Neeson. Who shot, the, who shot the screen test in England, mm-hmm. wow. in London. He shot the screen, and I decided to do the full on, put him in a cape. Do it in, on a set. Like, mm. do the screen test for real. Screen tested him. Universal saw him. And we don't know who he is. You know, and really? then, wow. well, then they used my screen test to cast him in Darkman. Wow. Really? Love Darkman. So they, that's how I got that. So they, I, I put the cape on him and they put him in Darkman. Wow. So what I'm hearing is, keep your thought. Yeah. I'm hearing is, you're like... 10 years ahead of people in everything. I'm, I'm usually ahead of people. I, 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 too much chagrin. Exactly. It's never really helped my... Uh, my they never helped me make a make a blockbuster. And then, I had this, <laughs> then I had this other movie called Welcome to Buzzsaw, mm-hmm. which was written by these twin brothers, the Goldens. And again, couldn't cast it. We were in prep. We were at offices. We were prepping. And mm-hmm. we couldn't cast this thing. And I found this girl who just been in this one movie. And I met her. And oh, she, my we, God. She her. And her name was Julia Rock. Really? <laughs> and, and they were like, she's fine. Who else she got? I mean, who's, no. who, who's, who, who are you putting with her? She wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And so, and ironically, because I'm the least athletic person on the planet, Julia... <laughs> I met Liam because Julia came to, uh, I had an annual softball game, which mm-hmm. was crazy because I don't play sports, but <laughs> I would have this picnic softball game and Julia came to the softball game, my picture of it, and she brought her boyfriend, Liam Neeson at the time. Really? Wow. So I taught Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson, how to play softball. Wow. You taught him. I taught him. The person doesn't know shit about me. He didn't know about cricket and nothing. And no, I, I, so I taught him how to play softball for that day and then it's really? my big sports claim to fame. <laughs> So, anyways, he did not know that Liam skill. And so, and so, you know, and then uh, that movie got made. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what's Welcome to Buzzsaw. Uh, Welcome to Buzzsaw got made. Okay. Uh, it was. Um, um, let me think about the actor now. What's his name? Um, Matthew Broderick wouldn't even talk to me. He wouldn't even. He's very was very eclectic and very wouldn't even talk to me. But then when I finally said. Fuck it, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, Francis Weber came in and got Matthew to do it. And they hired this girl. I don't think she's ever done the movie called Heidi Kling to do this movie. Mm-hmm. No one ever saw this movie. It was a train wreck. It was a really smart, <laughs> funny, <laughs> oddball script. No one ever saw it. And so it's like I kept – and so then it came up. I, I was so frustrated with all these movies not getting made, these good movies not getting made, mm-hmm. that I read this thing called The Wizard. I read it on a Thursday. 
I met on Friday. The Nintendo kids. And on Monday, I was sh- I was prepping. Prepping what? for five weeks mm. and shooting five weeks later. I was fast. Like, bam, bam, bam. It was like, and that's what I wanted. Fred Savage. I was Savage. tired. Fred Savage. And to this day, it's a big gamer cult movie. Mm. It has a real following. I'm working with a company right now. They're doing these um, boutique t-shirts mm. for the wizard. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, the mm. following it has. Like, executives and actors. The, the lead, When I did Shameless, the, mm. the lead on, the male lead on Shameless went away at lunch. Came like, oh my God, I, I Googled you. You did the wizard, you know? <laughs> so I did the wizard, which was a rebound movie sort of mm-hmm. and then that made no money <laughs> and I couldn't get a job for seven months and then my friend Leslie Gladder who we both were at Amazing Stories together mm-hmm. Leslie Gladder put a good, put good word in for me at Twin Peaks and I got to do season uh, two of Twin Peaks okay. now see I want to there's a couple of things I want to ask you about this as you're transitioning so you had directed yes. you had written and when did you start to veer from writer director because you, you came more right. director into just director and then director producer director producer and then because you have been a writer director were you more um um what's the word that i'm looking for were you more not susceptible but uh, open to what well you you know did you feel like you needed to protect the writer's words because you had been that okay um, I, uh, it's funny. I don't think of it that way. I always partner with the writer. Like mm-hmm. I always think, but a, you know, that's not a usual, a deep <laughs> partnership, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I was, when I, in features, I miss that partnership. Like mm-hmm. I, on my second feature, I asked the writer to be there. I asked to have him there because mm-hmm. I'm so used to that presence and that sharing and that back and forth and, you know, and directing movies can be very lonely because mm-hmm. if they're, you know, if you're just, if you don't have somebody to bounce anything off of. You know, so I, I think um, protective, uh, I guess, yes, yeah, I hadn't thought, I wouldn't have thought of it that way, mm. but it's really because I'm protective of story. Okay. And the reason writers, <clears throat> sooner or later, like 99% of them, 95% <laughs> of them, um, come around and they get me is that my questions are all about story. I come right into people I don't know and right up going, okay, here's what I understand, here's what I don't. This doesn't work for me, but this is why, because it seems inconsistent with this character, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And they're going, oh, you know, um, they don't expect that. They mm-hmm. I get a lot of directors coming in asking kind of a, a inane or sort of nonlinear questions and doesn't seem to relate to the narrative. I have a real love of narrative. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to sharp if this is what we're doing what's the best possible possible version of it and if we can make it better what is the better version you know mm-hmm. if we, if we can actually improve the document um i uh, just did uh, the pilot for abc family's stitchers mm-hmm. uh, you saw know. that and it was funny because the writer had been for kind of forcibly partnered with another director they shot the pilot once and <laughs> it was it was well done it was very serviceably done. It's problem. It was somebody who'd worked for ABC Family many times, so it looked exactly like ABC Family. Uh, and then the other thing was they made some very bad casting choices, and the script had problems. Mm-hmm. The script had some real mistakes. They shot that. They shot it. And so I was able to see it. So I came in, and now my business partner, five years, has mm-hmm. left our company to become the head of programming at ABC Family, the mm-hmm. brand new boss. Okay. Wow, nice. So there then you she go. sends me over there to meet with the writer. And suddenly <laughs> I'm just another person being shoved down his throat mm-hmm. that he's like, oh, here's another person I didn't pick. <laughs> and I try to explain to him, you don't understand. I am going to be your best friend. I mean, we're you're going to understand sooner or later you know, that I am here to make this great mm-hmm. you know i happen to be have been friends with 
your boss, but uh, and he and I became best friends, and yeah. it was like oh, we were really close, and we had only had two other EP partners, and they were managers, and so they were kind of slutty. So it was basically the writer and I making the show. <laughs> they weren't as involved. They suddenly weren't as involved as I mean. They weren't as involved, and mm-hmm. so it was he and I. They were gone managing and doing other clients and other projects, and and mm-hmm. it was he and I left to make the show. But you don't know how unusual it is in this day and age to have the director and the writer oh we don't together <laughs> make it, just the director and the writer mm-hmm. we were both eps mm-hmm. making a show and i go what about that i think that's cool i think mm-hmm. that's cool too what about that and we just ba- banter back and forth and come up with something we thought was great and fun and and it, like my current comedy i'm doing i have seven ep partners what seven there's eight of us total and so you're spend so much of your energy wow. gathering consensus, mm-hmm. which we do very, very well on that mm-hmm. show. It's a good group. But but to have just for me to have one writer partner and not seven, not four writer partners and three non non-writing EP partners and mm-hmm. uh, so, oh in comedy there's so many partners mm-hmm. all the time. That's half your job. Mm-hmm. You know? So anyways, uh, I can convince almost anybody. And what I do is I'm very aggressive of a writer. <laughs> I go mm-hmm. Like I often say, give me the final draft file, and I will say, I'm going to just show you. It's easier if I just show you, you know, and I'll write in their script, I'll make, you know, and they'll get to see this is what I'm, this is what I'm feeling. If this goes here and this goes here, and then they're able to go, some, and most of them go, oh, I get it, don't like that, but I'll let's do it, blah, blah. and it starts a whole back and forth that's mm-hmm. that's clear. I, I, I'm not rewriting them to rewrite. You know, I did it even when I did a David Kelly pilot, and I was really nervous, really David and so Kelly. I was really nervous. He, he's, he was David Kelly at that yes, time. Yes, he, he is. Was, you know, he does not David Kelly. <laughs> he was fucking David Kelly. Uh, so, but I, he, it, the script started with like slugline dialogue. Like mm. there was no description no, of anything. Yeah. It was like page one slugline dialogue. Mm. Well, there, no, no idea of what people were doing. No or, setup or anything. No setup, mm-hmm. no, no, no immersion into the world. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right. And I wrote three pages at, at, about how another way this could open a sort of a montage. It was more cinematic. It had mm-hmm. music. And I'm going to lead us into that. You know. And I walked in his office. I said, David, this, I'm really nervous uh, because you're David Kelly. <laughs> but I do this with everybody. So I'm not, I decided I'm not going to treat you any differently. Mm-hmm. I have. Get out. I have this three. And he's a lovely, lovely man. But I have these three pages that I did as a, just an example of another way this pilot could open. And I gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And he read him. And he dropped him right into a script. Nice, like exactly. Wow, and, nice. And that's what we shot. That's nice. And it was kind of amazing. I thought, okay, I, I and I've only had like one person, a notable creative partner of mine, but one person kind of chafe at me writing in their draft because mm-hmm. I don't write it for your ego. I write clearly from a narrative point of view, mm-hmm. like. This is why I'm. This is why I'm not connecting. This can be stronger this way. I do the same thing. Understood. Yeah, it's easier Understood. just to write it than. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and I don't love, I'm not married to dialogue or no. anything. If I'm if I'm suggesting a dialogue, it's because it's, it's something's bumping me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Something's not connecting. But you know, as all writers do, or will soon experience that that is not a norm. No. The norm is bring your thing in. We like it, and you think to yourself, well, if you liked it, why did you buy it, and why are you changing what you liked? Yeah. And then the director comes in and goes. Now get lost. So it's very amazing to hear. Uh, that's a collab- feature story. He's helping that's, you. That's a feature. Right. He's that's helping a, you. Yeah, it's yeah. a feature. Na- that's a feature mm-hmm. narrative. You're just relaying yeah. that because it's like, yeah, yeah. 
So the writers never get lost in television. No, they're uh, the kings of Yeah, because they get to come to the set yeah. for the most part. It's so funny, because, but the director's king in features, and yet I feel I have way more autonomy in television. Mm. But I'm also really good at gathering consensus because mm. I'm all about the narrative. Right. We're not fighting about that. Right. And so I always feel like it's, they're my ideas because we because they're ours together. Yeah, right. they're our ideas, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm being told to do something. Right. Like the, the big single biggest, biggest example I can think of that was I did a Felicity episode. I did like three or four. I did four, I think, season one. And Before she cut her hair? Before she cut her hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and one was Noel is uh, supposed to have a problem when his brother comes out to him as gay. And mm-hmm. I was like really struggling with that. I was like, I don't understand the whole basis of this narrative. Like, I don't understand. Like, no, there's nothing about Noel that's ever made us. And we, I mean, we, I asked the writers to go back to, you know, these junior, junior writers at the mm-hmm. time. You know, and I, you, I could talk to JJ too. He wasn't always available, and but JJ was determined mm-hmm. that was the narrative. So then the actors and I had to really figure out how to make this make sense mm-hmm. in this world, and we did. We really it was Eddie McClintock and and Scott Foley, and we really worked hard to make that make sense for those characters. And it was really great, but mm-hmm. it was challenging because mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. It didn't. Mm-hmm. I'd been in that world. Mm-hmm. Are, Felicity was my universe, mm-hmm. and to have to make this turn that really bumped me was a challenge mm-hmm. but we ended up doing it and it was a fine it was a fine episode mm-hmm. and, but it was um, that's an example of where I didn't feel in sync with the narrative and I had to find a way because JJ just said do it yeah sometimes they over they over uh, what they call it they, they, they overpower you they're like but uh, what you usually say is I usually say is I want to get in your head like mm-hmm. I tell all my directors your concept meeting that first day you're in there you ask as many fucking questions as you can because your goal is to be able to answer questions later well let's talk about the concept meeting yeah. what's that like on, Concept on meeting in my on my shows and the shows, you know, every show's different. So mm-hmm. you got to ask right away. What are the you know, as a director coming in, what are the meetings on the show? Okay. Concept meeting is every department head comes in. Hopefully, you get an EP, a writer, someone mm-hmm. with accountability who can ask you answer questions. Okay. But you talk about so you've already read the script. Oh, everybody has the script okay. in theory. You know, mm-hmm. it's day one of prep. Um, you all get together and with the producer and the AD and the department heads, and you're talking about there's a party. What's the size of the party? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the tone of it? What does it look like? What's the What's what? What's the whole physical zeitgeist of this? There's mm-hmm. just clowns. What kind of clowns are they? You know, I mean, you know, there's, you know, uh, we go to a church. Is it a Catholic church? You know, what? Okay. You, you, all how big is this church service? Or mm-hmm. how do we get around making it big because mm-hmm. you can't afford it? You know, but but you talk really the conceptual. What's the goal? Mm-hmm. What's the goal of the of the of the, what's the cinematic goals of the episode? Okay. How do we build? What pieces are we putting together? That's the that's the concept meeting. It's really. Um, and you ask a lot of questions and then when you get later on you're able to answer questions mm-hmm. because you've asked a lot of questions mm-hmm. and the tone meeting comes in it's been interesting the tone meeting um, comes much later in comedy mm-hmm. uh, having just done Red Band it was all backwards mm-hmm. and the tone meeting was the very first thing in comedy the tone <clears throat> meeting is where the director has had their entire prep mm-hmm. and they've gotten the revisions and now they're um they're really coming down to they, they got some blocking figured out. Okay. So it's really like questions about well, you you know, I'd stuff where you want these joke, this joke's an aside, and this person's got to be at this part of the room, and they're not, they can't be anywhere near them. Mm-hmm. So what's more important, this joke over here, or the fact that this joke is an aside? Because okay. those people aren't anywhere near each other; they can't be based yeah. on what's written on the page. Mm-hmm. So you could go into the tone meeting saying. With real practical problems like that, but also attitude problems. What's hopefully you're asking? What's mm. his character feeling? Are they jealous of this, or is that mm. just a joke? Or mm. you know, you ask all that kind of 
It's the stuff you're going to really need on the set okay. to really the finer points of tone, literally. Because the humor comes out of the experience versus I want to make a ha ha, you know, I want to make uh, this punchline or whatever. Because of the humanity, yeah, the human experience, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't. I, I don't know how to play a joke. Because I mean, I'm always curious of how, <clears throat> like, I've directed some some web series where they've been on for a season or two, and I come in mm-hmm. do season, you know, episode sixteen or whatever, and. They already have their rhythms, and of course, in the web series, people are used to shooting like hella fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as your partner figured out, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you shoot super fast, and you you don't always have the luxury of all that prep like you guys right. do. Um, so I'm always curious of how do you? I, I learned a lot just coming in and 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 meeting the cast like on the day. There's no you come in before and hanging out with them and being on the set and shadowing a director before. That stuff doesn't really happen that much. You oh, know, that's harder. Yeah, it's a lot harder. So you have to like just go and figure out personalities and you know what I mean, all that stuff like that. So just didn't. I know that's nothing. You it's kind of close to episodic <clears throat> directing though, because I mean, you don't get that much interaction with the crew okay. on those days. You're hanging around for four yeah. or five hours. I mean, you're really just getting a. A sense of is the happy set? Is this a mm-hmm. functional set or a dysfunctional mm-hmm. set? You know, are is their communication clear between people or are they kind of fucked up? You know, I mean, can you figure out? And then you start asking, you know, your smartest thing is just talk to your AD. Mm-hmm. What's it like? You know, you talk to your, you try to get, you'd have lunch with the DP one time in prep. You okay. know, you just try to get inside information and try to build little relationships. But on day one of shooting, <laughs> you're just like, just like you, you're just, mm-hmm. you just step into the deep end mm-hmm. and you got to figure out fast because you have to make a 12 hour day, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, now how many pages are you usually trying to shoot on uh, on episodic? Episodic you? is, you know, five to seven. Okay. That's a That's seven's a big day. Eight, yeah. nine's a big day. I mean, mm-hmm. I know some shows shoot a lot more. You know, I mean, I think um, somebody told me Scandal is like an eighty-page script. Ooh, and they're shooting wow! Like, and because they, they talk so fast. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, talk yeah. so fast. Because there's a couple comedies that do that. That written a little longer because they. And the you're pace all, is so yeah, fast. you're always trying to figure out. Stitchers was uh, we all, we thought it was going to be long, mm-hmm. and then we cut, and then we did the table read and it was short and we really? put all that we passed. I said, you can't, it was a really hard shoot because it was such limited resources. I said, you can't add a scene. You can only put more talk in places where people are already talking. <laughs> wow. That's, that's all you could do. We couldn't, we couldn't shoot anything else. Mm-hmm. There was no time. We, mm-hmm. we, we were struggling to make it. ABC family wants 11 hour days and they want all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, so anyways, um, so that's what we did. And thank God we did. Cause we were just, we were like two minutes over in the, mm-hmm. in the, oh, editor's, wow. in the editor's cut. Wow. Like there was like nothing to trip. Mm-hmm. So um, I should have talked about it just so I don't forget it, uh, sure, the tri- sure. my transition into comedy. And because I had been known in the early part of my career for doing, you know, some dramatic stuff. But usually I would like Felicity. I was brought in to give that show a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Oh, to give that show a sense of humor. You know, uh, or it was so earnest. You know, it was so self-serious. And, and they thought, you know, just everyone, Jay just said, everyone, anywhere you can, just, you know, find, humor, you know, lighten it humor. up. Right. Find, and now we come up and I pitch stuff. I go, well, there's this thing where she's putting the blind up. What if the blind got out of control and it flipped up and fell down? And, and they said, go for it. And so we started trying all this stuff and it really worked. Right. You know, it really worked for the show and the right. actors could do it because they were facile. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Carrie, Carrie, um, Russell's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And so was Scott Foley and, you know, they're amazing. So, but uh, the truth of it is, I, I, I come from the, when I got to, when I made the, the real change was Larry Sanders was when I was asked, what do you think of Gary Shandling? And mm-hmm. I said, oh, I like Gary Shandling. I'd seen 
I'd only seen It's Gary Shandling's show. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. They were shooting season one of Larry Sanders, so nobody would seen it. And I went and interviewed... I should tell the story. It's a good story. Yeah, tell but me. I, tell I, I went, but I went and interviewed, and I'll I'll finish one story and then go back. But this is the weirdest job interview of my whole fucking life. <laughs> Strange love, job interview. Love but those. Anyways, yeah. um, so I show up, and I said Larry Sanders is is dark enough that I get it as a comedy because it's all about human behavior. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't joke driven right. at all. It was right. all behavior driven. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I learned at Larry Sanders. Um, Gary's obsession was if the scene the scene would come to the floor we had three days of rehearsal and we would shoot as my husband quoted you mm-hmm. for, uh, we would shoot 17 pages a day for two days wow. so we'd, rehear- we'd table read Monday it was very much a, high, a real hybrid of a multicam we would table read Monday a little mm-hmm. bit of rehearsal just like a multi sitcom and then we would rehearse Tuesday Wednesday with run throughs mm-hmm. producer run throughs for network to, you know Tuesday was the produce studio, writers run through Wednesday was the stu- network run through for HBO Mm-hmm. And then we'd shoot 70 pages Thursday and 70 pages Friday, mm-hmm. you know. And But the thing about that was the we knew where they were going. We didn't have official camera blocking, but we figured it out based on watching rehearsal. They're mm-hmm. going there. How do we shoot this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a three-camera show sh- uh, shot on four-wall sets. Mm-hmm. People think yeah. it was a badly lit single-camera show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I, was, I always thought it was single-camera. People <laughs> think it was a badly lit single-camera show. Wow. It's a brilliantly lit multi-camera show wow Interesting. it was intentional it was all it, well, you how well the lighting gets to be shit once mm-hmm. as soon as you light five, four directions you know <laughs> um, but Peter Smoker did a brilliant job it was all it was all just fluid it's, everyone does now it's mm-hmm. all the Parks and Rec it's all this everyone does this now mm-hmm. but it was the first one to really try to you know get in that but um, my job interview so so let me so I just learned I got Larry Sanders. I just got it. Emotionally, mm-hmm. I got the comedy. It was all based on character and drama. Gary had to break a scene down mm-hmm. to figure it out dramatically. And the genius of them as writers was that once we'd sit on the set and go, why does Hank come in? What does he get? And we'd figure it all out when the scene wasn't working. We'd stop and figure out the scene. Mm-hmm. And then it would send it back to the writer's room and it would come back just like hilarious. Mm-hmm. The hilarious version of that. So it all made dramatic sense, mm-hmm. and then it would come back just funny as shit, okay. you know. And so they had amazing, amazing. Well, Judd Apatow, Peter Tolan, amazing writers on that Jeez, show. John Reggie, Maya yeah, Forbes, some beast um, on there, didn't he? I mean, crazy <laughs> talented. I mean, uh, I'm blanking. Um, giant night, late night talk show guy, um, John Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, anyways. Um, all the Johns. <laughs> all, all the Johns. And a Peter. So my job interview, though, I show up. I'm with the producer, mm-hmm. John Ziffrin, and we're meeting in his office, and he gets a call from the set. And the set says, the director has got a, has got a hysterical call from his wife. <laughs> Their home has been burglarized, and he's gone. He's left the set. <laughs> and could you come down to the stage? So... Uh, he said, would you come with me, please? And so we go, <laughs> we go down to the stage, and then we're in the actual, we end up sitting in the fake conference room on set. The DP, Peter Schmokler, has taken over directing in this emergency mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. And there was te- and Gary comes in to talk to me, because they're shooting something without Gary. And, and uh, so Gary comes in to talk to me, and it's like 10 million, is there a director in the house jokes? Yeah. Because, you know, they have no director, but they're shooting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm meeting with Brad Gray and Gary Shandling and John Ziffrin. And, 
And, and then finally they, they decide they shot all they could shoot. And then we go to, to Gary says he wants to pick up this point of view shot out a window. So it's a point of view of Wally Langham fucking this girl in an open convertible <laughs> in the parking lot of Raleigh studio. <laughs> so we go to a second, third floor window and Gary's directing this piece because there's no director mm-hmm. and points the camera out the window and Wally's way down there. And I'm uh, not Wally, uh, Jeremy Piven. That's it. Well, oh, like, Jer- oh, Jeremy that's Piven has- fucking mm-hmm. this girl. <laughs> and and basically it was the camera operator and then Gary and I was behind Gary and we're still having the interview mm-hmm. you know and, yeah we're still wow. having the interview and, <laughs> and then he looks at the camera and he keeps turning back to me and going I don't know is that funny I don't know is that is that funny I go I have to answer he's gonna think I don't fucking know what's yeah, funny yeah. I said no if I see her face, it's not funny. It's emotional. Push her head down and get his ass up in the air, and then, then it's funny. If I see her face, I'm just gonna be a, a worried about her, right? And I can't enjoy because the joke was all about the fact that he has a, that Jeremy Piven has a hairy ass. <laughs> and so right, it's right. All it had to be about. Mm-hmm. Right. So he bark. He did, Gary gives that direction, and they roll on that. And mm-hmm. then Gary, while they're rolling, Gary just takes you by the shoulder, and we walk away. I'm going, but. But, but nobody's cut. Nobody's you know? <laughs> and, and so we leave Jeremy Piven out there in the parking lot yeah. miming coitus in a convertible. Wow. Which he was mad about later. <laughs> Anyways. So, and I got the job. Why, of course, yeah. I don't know. And how many night. episodes did you do on that job? I think I did 52. Wow. wow. Over many, many seasons. <laughs> how many nominations did you get by that one? A bunch. Okay, nothing I'm talking about. <coughs> that, that was back in the day when Cable was not eligible for the Emmy. Mm. Uh, you got Cable Ace, right? We had got, I got five Cable Ace awards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we won the Cable Ace every single year, mm-hmm. and then we could not win an Emmy to save our life. Mm-hmm. And did, you, did you go from there to Malcolm, or...? I went from there, uh, yeah, I did a movie in between, and then Malcolm... I went off to do a Dick Wolf thing in um, a drama in... Toronto called DC, which is a funny story too. Mm-hmm. We had this young, hot WB pilot about young interns, optimistic interns in Washington. But who wrote that? I read that. Uh, John August. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. we were doing the hot WB pilot mm-hmm. up in Toronto, and then they were doing this. Somebody else is doing a Washington show. This, but there's all these old people in it. And we were like, <laughs> it's like Martin Sheen mm-hmm. and St- Stockard Channing and <laughs> Bob, West Wing. West. Bob Lowe. We were like, who's gonna watch that? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the same time? Same season. Same pilot season. Wow. wow. We're doing DC and they're doing West Wing. Wow. What's that? They're all those old people. We have yeah. hot, hot young youngsters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so they, uh, we got picked up and went nine episodes and that got canceled. <laughs> West Wing became a cultural icon. <laughs> so you never know. That's all I have to say. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Wow. But I did, I was doing um, the D- DC in Toronto. My mm-hmm. agent called and said, they have, we have this pilot. It's very funny. You have to read it. I said, I'm shooting a pilot. I don't have time to read a pilot. I'm busy. And he says, no, no, you're going to read this pilot. And he faxed it to me in my hotel, like at 35 pages. <laughs> faxed, it. faxed it to me in the day. <laughs> and I sat down and read it and I said, you're right. It's fucking funny. And it was really? Malcolm in the Middle. Wow. And I said, it's funny. And I had a phone interview <clears throat> where I talked to Linwood Boomer and Gail Berman on the mm-hmm. phone from Toronto. Mm. I said, I will do this if you can wait for me. I got to do my director's cut and then I'm gone from this pilot. So that's what I did. I did my director's cut, dashed over to Malcolm, which shot really late. Malcolm was the second pilot I did in that pilot season. Mm. But DC had started a little bit early, which was the only thing to say it made it possible. Mm-hmm. And Mal- But Malcolm had this crazy accelerated post. They had like five to seven days to do the whole thing. Wow. I mean, yeah. 
It was, and cra- you made it look like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the shooting was the we maybe shot it in the right amount of time, but yeah. the post was was super fast. Mm-hmm. Now, was this the pilot where he first was in the school and the theory, everything was going crazy, and he got up there and he started doing the numbers, and they're like, "Is Malcolm a robot?" <laughs> well, that's not the that's not the pilot. That's that, not the pilot. That was um, I, I don't think so. The pilot that was um called Academic Octathlon, I think. That's in the Damn, playground. You still remember? Yeah, they're in the <laughs> playground, right? Well, I remember that. It was a very it we, was it was hilarious. We had to shoot that episode and the almost in like late October, like the shortest days of the year, okay. we had to do an all daylight episode <laughs> with children. With kids, yeah. With kids, yeah. <laughs> with children. And they only have like four hours. <laughs> and I always say, we, we the AD and I always joked, we scheduled that thing like a German train. It was like, this shot will last from this from 1 to 1.32. And then we go from 1.32 to the, and we kept on that schedule. Wow. And it was the only way we could do it. And then we have certain things we cheated. We have mm. people we could shoot against walls when we had lost the light. We'd like, you know, because mm. we're, we're out in the middle of uh, an open space with no structure. Mm. So it's really hard to find stuff to even cheat. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, I always remember that episode. Um, I love that show. That show was a great show. It was really fun. It, I, I will say I, I, I loved it in the beginning, you know, and then it, it did get so broad that it started to lose. Yeah, it started going a little. <laughs> I came to do the season six opener. I came mm. back. I'd been gone for season five doing a movie. And I came back to do season six opener. So I watched the season five closer mm-hmm. and I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> it's like Brian is being, I mean, Brian Cranston's being uh, tried in some sort of like, uh, he's a scapegoat for some kind of Enron scandal. Mm-hmm. And, and Jane Kazmerica's had a breakdown and she's making these claws. Yeah, got pigs, really big. Claws, yeah. pigs, like, and then, and Reese has joined the military at 15 and gone to Afghanistan. <laughs> and I was like, what? This used to be a family I recognized. This is my baby. This used to be a family I recognized, though. I related to this family. Right, right. You know, and now it's like, now, just a big car- cartoon but well you now you so you've mentioned so you got into tv and you you say you sprinkle it every now and again well i went to do a movie so were you veering away from movie making more so into the i episodic? did the wizard was a very 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 painful experience well, how, why so what um I, I people always tell me movies are fun and i go no I know um, both of my fr- I did three movies yeah. um, and each one is so unknown for the most part that this like, <laughs> studio my third movie mm-hmm. the studio president kept telling me well it's your first movie Todd you probably, I go <laughs> and I, and, and there, there was an internet by this time so I, I would just keep my mouth shut and go no it's actually my third but I'm going to let you think it's my first because that'll help you. Google me bitch I Google me Google me no, I, he I, didn't I want gonna, them to Google him he, con- he said it constantly and I go well, I said yeah <laughs> Uh, okay, <laughs> but why? 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 Do you, I, I why? Talk, well, here's the deal. I um, I don't. Here's a, here's how I sum it up. I don't know. Uh, somebody else who's been on them can tell me what I did wrong. But I'm focused on the narrative. I'm okay. focused on the directing and the experience and the creative process. Okay. I don't spend nearly enough time hand holding nervous the hands of nervous executives mm. and producers. <laughs> And I how, how do you do that? How I do have allowed know? that the whole system to spiral out in what well, in my peripheral vision, but without realizing it. Hmm. I had the producer on my second feature, um, Marty. Uh, no, it's uh, no, what's his name? Oh fuck, I forget his name. I block them all out. Um, uh, <laughs> I had him. Uh, did I say the first time I said, who did I say the first time? Yeah. Did I say, um, well, now it's Larry Bresner. Okay. This is Marty Bregman was the first one for The Shadow. Okay. And now uh, Marty Bresner, um, I, I spent some tension between us at some point, And I went into his office because we were, I, I wanted to be open and honest. Mm-hmm. And what, what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And he basically, without knowing he was telling me this, 
betrayed to me that he was backstabbing me to the studio. What? And I sat there and heard it. Cam, let's go get him. Where oh, you? Where you man. And, but he, he didn't realize. He just said it. Oh. And I was like, oh. I will say that was a very difficult movie and that Richard Dreyfuss... Mm-hmm. Is Satan <laughs> still? <laughs> I have no idea. My only, my only solace in the whole brutal scarring experience of making that movie mm-hmm. was that I effectively ended his career. Yeah. Wow. So, so that's my solace. Um, he, he was. Uh, it's, it was scarring, and he spent every day of that movie trying to have me fired. Wow. Every single day, and uh, questioned every single decision I made, and. Because the studio finally decided they decided they didn't want to fire me. Mm-hmm. I was doing a good job. Mm. They fired the, D, the D, they fired the DP just so wow. they could fire somebody. Wow, <laughs> just somebody. Yeah, and so it became that it became that kind of classic Hollywood thing. But I will say the new DP who came in, the first guy had nothing. He was doing nothing wrong. He was mm. a great guy. Um, but the new guy was older, um, a UCLA alum, Dean um, Kundi. Okay. And he did have the wit and savvy to navigate Richard and I both. Mm, okay. And so I thought, like oh, the this, middle was, man this was a good choice. Mm. This actually did make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just capricious at first. But anyways, um, so when I realized that Larry was backstabbing me, wow. bad-mouthing me to the studio... Mm. Because the whole thing had gone sour with when the DP got fired, the UPM, the producer, line producer kind of turned against me and mm-hmm. Larry wasn't on my side. I, I went, oh, I can do that. I took mm. a day to just be just be utterly depressed, realize mm. how alone I was. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, I can do that. Mm. So I started calling the studio every day, mm. making sure I called them every day mm. and chit-chatted and said, you know, Larry's like a little, a little nervous high school girl. He's always nervous. <laughs> and I, would, I started spinning back. Because I said, to protect, to save my own life, I had to start spinning back mm-hmm. bullshit about him. Because he was spinning bullshit about me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just, it seems to always end up there. And I don't know I'm just trying to make a good movie. Mm-hmm. And it works in television for me mm-hmm. to focus on the work. Mm-hmm. In features, it doesn't work. Interesting. My third feature was produced by good friends. My best friend was one of the writer producers. Mm-hmm. And the difference there is that we all got stabbed in the back together. Really? Which made it more pleasant. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were together. Really- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? But it wasn't my producer doing it. It was the studio doing it to all of us. And, and so I haven't figured out... I just don't spend, I'm not a handholder or schmoozer. A handholder. I don't, I'm not good at it. I don't mm-hmm. like it. I'm right. not good at politics. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I like to do the work. Right. And television seems to be a place where you get to just do the work. Why all writers want to work in television is they get to do the work. Mm-hmm. I think, I think <laughs> one of the things that I like to uh, intimate to writers and creatives is it is a fine line. A lot of creatives are either super duper sensitive because they just want their stuff to be known. Right. Um, or they get lost in, you know, what you're saying. For me, I try to look at the situation because I just don't, you know, as you get older, you just don't like bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fear going on in this, in the industry. I mean, it's nothing, un- nothing irrational fear. fear. Irrational. <laughs> I mean, this is what they talk about. No, it's nothing but fear. They talk about who's getting fired and who's doing this okay. and who's doing that. So it, my question is, or my comment is that do you does it affect you because of that nonsense and would it turn you away from ever really doing a feature where the feature was just such 
the, the creator people, the creative aspect of it was so deep that you just, I have to do this. I don't I, care. I, I love I love movies. I like a big commitment. I like that big commitment of my of a year of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy that. I just find, in truth, it's like the water maybe under the bridge. Both in terms of my my currency as a feature director. There's so few features made, mm-hmm. but also my interest. <laughs> I mean, you know, features aren't that interesting anymore. Mm-hmm. Occasionally they are. But television is. is is a better. I'm a I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I'm a character storyteller. Mm-hmm. So the good character storytelling is almost all on television. But what about the smaller features? Whiplash, uh, Birdman. Um... Yeah, you know, my sensibility is so, you know, as I say, I wouldn't be making Birdman. It's not, it follows. I'm, I'm not that I'm not that deep. You right, know? I, right. I want to have more fun than that. Right. So You'd be making Juno. I'd make a Juno. Yeah. I'd be something like that. But then mm-hmm. that's a whole, I don't know, it's a whole journey. That, that's a whole, my mother, put it this way. My mother said to me when I was in film school, well, if you, while you're waiting to direct uh, movies, maybe you could do commercials to make money. <laughs> and I said to my mother, I said, mom, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that just want to make commercials. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I don't yeah. compete with them for something I don't want to win in. Right. It's sort of like the David Geffen thing. Right. He only became a record mogul because he wanted to be a movie mogul, but he didn't know how to get oh, there. Really? He didn't know how to get there from mm-hmm. A to B, okay. so he, or A to C, so he went to B for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was not his final destination. Okay. As proved by his final destination. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so it's that kind of thing where I would love to fight to make great television. Okay. Now. And if I could find a movie I loved, I'd love to do that. I okay. would have loved to have made Spy. Really, the one that just came out with that was so much fun. I would have loved. I have very few movies. I I because it was fun. So it was funny. It was fun. It was human. It was more feminista than Mad Max Mm -hmm. Fury Road. Whatever the fuck you know. I mean, (laughs) I like that movie. I'm a huge George Miller fan, but Mm -hmm. I I heard. Expectations of the kiss of death. Like too many people raved about that movie before I got It's a there. ride. I mean, we, we did an episode about it, talking about it, and I, I enjoyed it. I went to see it at the Academy. Yeah. And I sat there in the room for all the, you know, people in the Academy. And ten minutes in I turned to my friend and I said, Who are these people? What is this about? I yeah. have no idea. Why do I care? And she says, just ride. Like, just ignore it. So then I was like, okay, let me take my writer head off. Let me take my director head off. Let me just enjoy this motherfucker. Right. And then I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, oh, shit, wow, right. boom, boom. But then I got up and walked out, and I must have heard 30 people in line as we were walking up going, I have no idea what that was about. <laughs> but it was a ride. It was a ride. Everybody it said it was a ride. All I could think about at the end was they're going to have a lot of water management problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my. I thought that was like, That's mm. all I could think about at the end of that movie was <laughs> this mm. place is going to go to shit fast. <laughs> I don't know how to manage the resource. <laughs> if this is how they celebrate, but you know, it's but I thought. I mean, I have very a very little envy of movies, but like I have a couple, like Galaxy Quest. Oh, okay. I was so jealous. Well, they're doing now. They're doing a show that. about. They're doing. They're uh, doing a series? TV show. Oh, they are. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. They're doing you a TV series. Know that one. I <laughs> love the Galaxy. I mean, I was so envious ahead of, of that, his time of that of that. Um, blend of real emotion Satirical. and real comedy yeah. and real adventure and mm-hmm. to me genre that's why I get restless in comedy is genre mm-hmm. and I'd stitchers we could do real comedy you could do real action <clears throat> you could do real suspense I mean you could you do, you do genre does it all like Buffy the Vampire Slayer got to do it all yeah, oh true. man that's love true. Buffy and so I, I don't know I, I find myself I wouldn't I would have that kind of fun I don't see many movies that are like that so what are you thinking about Ex Machina did you see that love that Love that, but uh, you know, I would love that. I don't, you know, I don't know that I see that as me. 
You know? But I would love it and respect it. I mean, if right. somebody said, Todd, do you want to do this movie? Right. Like, Fuck yeah. <laughs> but that's not how movies work. Yeah. Right, right. Come knock on your door and hand you a script. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a years long dedication to something mm-hmm. that nobody says they want to make. Well, I think I think now that the the you can take your, your movie straight to the audience, the medium is kind of shifted yeah. and changed. You just go and find some financing. Because I look at Pitch Perfect, the first mm-hmm. one, that people are like, right. oh, whatever, they dissed it. And I'm like, well, I was kind of like fun. it too. I, I watched, it. I watched the first fun. one and I was like, this is really a good, and it went yeah. on VOD first. Yeah. And then they released it. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, it made $4 million on VOD first. Yeah, they're like, really? we might have something Yes, here. you didn't know that? They did VOD first, <laughs> yep. and then they released it in the theater. They did a test. Just like the Richard Gere movie that they did on VOD first. So Which they. One, um, what was the one he did? Um, gosh, I can't. The Arbitrage? Arbitrage no. was released VOD. I still haven't oh. seen it. I have the DVD. I've okay. dragged it around for years yeah. going, I've heard so, it's good. So VOD, <laughs> it was VOD, yeah. and then they released it and made $112 million, right? Wow. And they're like, oh, because it's just, it's that kind of a movie where it gets under no the radar. Idea. Yeah, and now, what's her name? Is it Banks? Is that her name? Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks She's is now. It. Yeah, and they're doing, a, they're doing a Pitch Perfect 3. Yeah, they, it's set up at the end, you know it's going to be. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's that's, I think that, this is the whole that I have is that you've got people who don't have that those parameters and those blockades they're like you know right. what I want to make this movie and I want it to be this because you hear well you have to be this person if you're going to make a movie you have to be a horror writer you have to right. be a this and yet no they're like I'm going to make this movie that I want to right. make mm-hmm. and put it out there so I, that's a very encouraging thing to me so that's why right. I was asking you do you like if somebody came to you and said hey I've got ex machina we're raising this money to do this way Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I am not, you know, I, you know, but then I, I always had to balance my busy television career and my right. five-year-old triplets. <laughs> and so it's like, Which you know, we still got to get into. Because Scott just texted me and said, you know you have to mention me. <laughs> uh, my darling husband, Scott Chellis Um He's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, but no, so you would. You I, would love, I love yeah. the right movies. I find myself always, I, in film school, I would see movies I disliked mm-hmm. twice. Because I would sort of figure out why I disliked it. And now okay. I'm like, I don't have fucking time to yeah. see something. Right, right. If I go, like, I honestly said years ago, I said, this will be the title of my memoir in Hollywood. Oh, I hear that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the cruelest, the cruelest, most brutal thing you've heard 10 million times mm. in, in this town. Right. Oh, I hear that's bad. Right. Yes. And it's Hilarious. just dismissive and it's simple yeah. and it's just like, ugh, it's like, and it's so easy to say. Well, that'd yeah. be good. See, people keep asking me because we have this podcast. We have like yeah. over 55,000 listeners. Yeah. And they're like, you need a book. Why don't you come up with a book? I'm like, there's too many screenwriting books right now. Right. But I keep thinking about the one thing that's not out there is navigating Hollywood over 40. You know, there's oh, nothing right. really right. about how to maneuver. But, you know, here's you the, know? the thing is that because I go to Austin and, and stuff like that. And a lot of the fear now is overcome more so what I'm hearing in Austin is the beast needs to be fed. Mm-hmm. It right. needs to be fed, especially now TV is, has exploded. We've got to find content. Right. We've got to find it. And, and those people who are in their enclaves who don't go east of La Cienega and south of Wilshire right. don't know real what real people are watching because you still see, and this is a rub that Lisa and I talk about, you look on the screen and you will see the old... Uh, mentality of everybody has to be homogenous yeah. versus you go to you look at D, um, 
uh, WB, and you've got The Flash, which is a big show, and right. everybody's diverse, and you've got Arrow, and you've mm-hmm. got Scandal, and you've got Empire, and then you've got Power, and all this stuff is being yeah. big, and you've got Mindy. They've, they've tried to kill Mindy a couple of times, and she okay. just keeps rising from the ashes <laughs> like the Phoenix. Is she going on Netflix? She's on, she's on, on Hulu. Hulu. No, she's on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. Oh, good. She's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, and then you get something like, which you did have a part of, Kimmy Schmidt, which people love. Yeah. Now, NBC, I was like, when I heard that NBC that was, was looking at that, I'm like, who the fuck would, who at NBC thought that this would even go on your network? Mm-hmm. No. Who the fuck thought that that would? It has two names on it they couldn't say no to, Tina Fey and Robert uh, Carlock. But okay. I was directing that show going, I mean, it was really funny and outrageous. Uh, I would go, but NBC is, is, like, yeah. is like shitting their pants, trying to figure <laughs> out how to tell Tina and Robert they're going to cancel it after four it's, episodes. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, because they don't understand the show. Mm-hmm. They don't, it's not their humor. Mm-hmm. They don't get it. It's too, it's, I would say it's 30 Rock without the grounding of 30 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's just saying something. It's so, but, I mean. Is, I, it, is it more cable or what do you think? I, well, it is now. It's but, Netflix. But, well, it's Netflix now. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but Netflix saved it. But it's what two amazing things happened and mm-hmm. I never saw these coming. Mm-hmm. One, um, I came in at, at, at like episode nine. It was mm-hmm. late enough that I said, I'd seen a bunch of them. And I said, you know, I really want, to, guys, I really want to try to ground this and make mm-hmm. it as emotional as I can. And they were like, yeah, absolutely great. We're thinking the same thing. Because I thought, it was what I was seeing was there's not enough substance here on a network television to make people wait seven days to see the next okay. one. It's just too insubstantial. Mm-hmm. It's just funny and light and nothing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's clever and super smart. But, um, and the other thing was that happened was, um, so, uh, sorry, they, when I went to Netflix, my episode <laughs> got five and a half minutes longer. Oh, really? So it went from 21.30 to 26.30. Okay. Yeah, wow. 20, almost 27 minutes. And that five minutes was all that emotional stuff we'd worked to shoot. This mm. would have been all trimmed out mm-hmm. to protect the comedy mm-hmm. had it gone the network. So essential length issues on Netflix. And then the other thing I completely had not seen coming, people started emailing me going, mm. oh, Kimmy Schmidt's hilarious. It's so silly. I just keep watching. Mm. And I go, oh, my God. I had always thought of binge watching was this kind of cliffhangery mentality. Mm-mm. Like, I gotta watch the next one. I gotta see what happens. I gotta know. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, oh, in four seconds, another one will play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's like a bag of potato chips. Yeah. You keep reaching yes. your hand in. That's true. Yes. I'll just eat three more. I'll have three more. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. I'll watch three mm-hmm. more. And you just keep watching because just Netflix just keeps playing them. And I hadn't thought that like um, frothiness mm-hmm. could profit from binge watching. Yes. And because you don't have to wait. And yeah. so I thought, oh my God, this is an amazing revelation for me about binge, what, what binge is well. Well, it's funny because we, we, we had our meeting at your house the other day for this new project. I'm going to give it a little shout out. Please. Shout out to Scotch Ellis Loring. For faux show, exactly. <laughs> his new show, <laughs> his web series faux show, very funny script. Which uh, I don't know if I should say what it, you know. Should I say it's sort of like I was? I told Scott, my husband. I said it's kind of like the Black Larry Sanders. It's about <laughs> exactly. it's about two talk two African American talk show hosts who were literally told after twenty years on the air that they're not black enough anymore, <laughs> and they bring in somebody to black the place up. And it's, so it's just hilarious. Being my darling husband is African American, Native American, and Scottish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kim Coles is 
what is she, German and African-American? Something. Something. They're all, they, my whole marriage has been immersed in all these really funny, blurred stories about race <laughs> in America, mm -hmm. you know? And I think he found a very funny way to just talk about all that, mm -hmm. you know? And he got the amazing, amazing Tiffany Haddish to yes. come in and play the um, upstart who's brought in mm -hmm. to shake the place up. And it's just funny. It's a funny world. Well, we got Ben Patrick Johnson. Yeah. We got Erica Alexander. Oh, Teddy Sears. Yeah, we and, got some beats uh, on there. It's going to be tight. Hey, it sounds um, cool. But we we're, were having a meeting the other day talking about going on the web. Should we air it as a web series that airs once a week? Or should we just put it out like people are doing on Netflix? And the consensus was to put it out I like think, we do on, Nexit, yeah, on, on Netflix. I, yes. So. I said let them binge. Yeah, just let them binge. I mean, some yeah. shows, like I think It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is, a, is an extended cartoon sure. show yeah. that people will do. But Kimmy Schmidt is just one of the, I mean, at first I was like, oh, I just mm. want, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Would you wait seven days to see the next mm, one? I might have. That's what I'm saying. It's, I it, might have. It was dicey. It's so, but it's so, it's just so, it's so obtuse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so obtuse that you're just like, where are they, where can they even go with, yeah. <laughs> with this? Mm. I want to see where they can even go because it's so... I mean, I can relate being a part of a cult, um, but you start looking at like the guest stars and stuff and you're like, is that so-and-so that I yeah. see? Is that, you know, mm -hmm. well, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but is that so-and-so that I see? Or just some of the stuff they bring, like the Soul Cycle episode or right. whatever it was. And you're mm -hmm. like... Because there is actually what they call it, spiritual cycle. There is something that actually well, do that. Well, there is soul cycle. Is it soul cycle? Uh, well, you guys call it spiritual cycle or something yeah, like probably, that. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, spirit cycle, yeah. yeah. But, but no, I, binging to me is just, like you said, it's like a potato chip thing. Like, I want to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I might forget about it. Like, I forget about Orphan Black, although I love Orphan Black. Yeah. But I forget about it because <laughs> I have to wait. Mm. It's true. That's a good point. I have to wait. Netflix, I mean, Scandal season four just hit Netflix. I go, I guess I waited for the right reason. <laughs> I, I couldn't keep up with it. I couldn't keep up. Because oh, then everybody's oh, telling look. you everything on the freaking okay. internet. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, don't tell me about Game of Thrones finale. My oh, God, God. I, I can't turn on Twitter without, oh my God. Yes. You like, can't, yeah, you can't do even, yes. can't, It's like Scott's trying to not know who won the US Open. <laughs> and, and suddenly he turns on, you know, Facebook. And it's on the front of Facebook. It's on the cover. Yeah, I hate that. I, hate, I mean, Game of Thrones, I was like, I better watch this because I know don't about tell tomorrow. Me. I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Game of Thrones? I haven't, seen, it. I haven't yeah. seen the ending. Don't me, tell me. Let me just ask you two more questions. I know you got to get back to the office. Yeah. Um, let's just, you started talking a little bit about Stitchers and yeah. about the, the, the Ryan O'Neill's. Um, well, we actually didn't talk about that. Can Wait, you talk the about Ryan that? Ryan the, the real O'Neill's. A real O'Neill's, yeah. <laughs> I said, Ryan O'Neill's, yes. I, I just heard that. Wait, wait, I don't know what talking about. You know the Ryan O'Neill's? You know that show? <laughs> That's a reality show. <laughs> it's on Bravo. Um, I want to talk to you. You started talking about how you, yeah. and, you and the writer um, basically you know, put, a, put together most of that. So where are you guys with it? Is it coming out soon? Real um, O'Neill's? Yeah. Real O'Neill's has a wonderful pair of writers, uh, David Windsor and Casey Johnson. Um, they had the good fortune to get two pilots picked up this year. Wow. wow. Oh, tell so, everybody what that's about. What's that? uh, Real O'Neill's comes from the seed of Dan Savage's life, another mm -hmm. uh, podcast blogger, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a uh, Savage Love um, podcaster, mm -hmm. a blogger. And... Um, 
it's come his seat of his life growing up as the child of a super Catholic family, cop dad, housewife mom in <laughs> Chicago. Oh boy. And at 15, <clears throat> the 15 year old son in our show comes out as gay, but it sort of is this snowball effect of everyone kind of comes out. The family cracks their prefer- perfect uh, veneer cracks mm. and older brother reveals he's an anorexic wrestler. The younger <laughs> sister is a char- charitable do-gooder who's mm. given none of the money to charity. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, the, um, she's like a grifter, basically. <laughs> and mom and dad are getting divorced. And it's this whole mess that's revealed mm. of their truth, which actually you feel better about them as a family as mm-hmm. soon as they come clean. And the normal one and the sort of more average one is the gay kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the least of it, okay. you know. And it sort of looks as we had a lovely cast, Martha Plimpton and mm-hmm. Jay Ferguson and a hilarious Matt Shively playing the older brother, mm-hmm. B.B. Wood from okay. New Normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, B.B., you're from Kansas. This is your second gay show. <laughs> so she goes, I know. Uh, and then uh, Noah um, Galvin, a completely unknown theater actor, mm-hmm. well, unknown in, he has zero IMDb. Mm-hmm. He plays the 15-year-old who comes out, and he's amazing. Mm. He's really fantastic and exciting. And um, so it's it about them. And, uh, a very oh, that's f- the one you were casting not too long ago. Is yeah. that the one? You were looking for a younger kid? Yeah. Okay. So, no, yeah. Yeah, it was like pilot season. All right, yeah. It's a little while ago. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and so that's coming on. Uh, we're shooting that in the summer, mm-hmm. and we shot 13 episodes. 13 mm-hmm. episodes mid-season on ABC. Mm-hmm. So maybe January, you know. My mm-hmm. whole, until... Go on the Matthew Perry show that mm-hmm. we did uh, at NBC. I realized until that show was uh, was a fall launch. I realized my entire career has been mid season. Mm. Malcolm was mid season. Really, Wonder Falls was mid season briefly. Wonder Falls. Um, uh, we didn't even talk about Wonder Falls. So I mean everything. Uh, I don't know Larry Sanders. That was I don't know when that started. That was HBO. That was different. But mm. everything's been mid season. Interesting. Everything. And I realized mid season's kind of this nice, warm, cozy home for me because mm-hmm. one, you get to usually finish all of them mm-hmm. before any of them air. Mm-hmm. So you finish them and have your rap party. Mm-hmm. And then when you get canceled, you don't have to look anybody in the face. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Are they usually shorter mid-season? Are they usually like six episodes? Well, the, no, usually, episodes? usually the 13. Okay. Yeah, and that's what we are. We're 13. Okay. So 13 is a normal half, half order. You know, okay. That's the initial order, basically. And that'll be a full... And then the um, Stitchers, what's what's going on with that one? Where are you? Stitchers is, uh, you know, it was because of the way it was done. I actually did did the pilot, but it was actually called a glorified episode one. It was an enhanced okay. episode one because they were already picked up for ten. They ended okay. up doing eleven. ABC Family ordered an extra one, mm-hmm. um, and it's on the air right now. <clears throat> um, the third episode airs tonight because I DVR everything. Mm-hmm. I don't really know when anything. I know, is me on. too. I'm bad at that too. I think it's on Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights? On ABC Family. Okay. Stitchers. It's really fun. It's a fun... I'm a big fan of Continuum, big fan of Warehouse 13. Mm-hmm. I'm a big genre person. You know, mm-hmm. so I, Stitchers is in that, is that ilk of just summer popcorn okay. fun. Okay. Great banter chemistry between the two um, mm-hmm. leads um, <laughs> and a great supporting cast. It's amazing what you get when you have a pilot versus a 10 order in terms mm-hmm. of casting. Like, people come out for a 10 order. Mm-hmm. That's a job. Yes. <laughs> a, well, pi- like, a pilot's a shot. Yes. Well, it's like whenever I'm, like, I'm casting this week for this movie concept I'm producing, and the, the, it's a badass sci-fi project yep. um, called um, Architects of Crime. Right. <clears throat> Very, you know, futuristic or whatever. And the sides don't have a ton of dialogue because we're just, you know, showing you the trailer, but a long version right. of it. 
So I was telling the writers, um, shout out to the Derek brothers. I was like, you, we got to, we got to, we got to make this. We got to, in order to get a name or to get a face for the casting director, we got to give them something, you know, to act. Even though in the, even though in the um, trailer we still might have a line or two for the audition, we got to bring them in yeah. with more. They need to meet. <laughs> you know, to come in with. So, you know, it was an interesting thing that we had to like spend most of the day yesterday, you know, going over rewriting and just extending the script. Even if you add five or six, seven, eight more lines with the, with the actors, we did, just that on, some uh, meat. You, you, we did that on the real O'Neill's, you know, mm-hmm. anytime you, or any show where the character in the pilot has little screen time, mm-hmm. you read audition scenes that demand more. Correct. And then, yeah, you may never shoot those scenes, nah. you know, but you know, but you need to see what they can do. Mm-hmm. So everybody can judge. Yeah, I like the. I, I can watch that for hundred episodes. And before you, before you forget, better shout out to your kids as your husband is. So. <laughs> oh, can we uh, gave yeah. my little shout. We didn't, we didn't, you, well, can, you can tell yeah, the kids. We have uh, so it's a Hogan. They have the <laughs> Hogan. Kids, hi, it's kids, Papa. Kids. Nova. Hi, it's Papa. And <laughs> Hannah. Hi, it's Papa. Um, Papa Hogan Dada. is his little twin, like just like him. I, uh, my, our son is my clone. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> and I look. I was reading through my journals just when I was like twenty-one. I was putting lots of stuff in storage, and mm. I was like, oh, I hope he's just more together than I, <laughs> I, I just. I was so messed up at college. I was just so such a little misshapen geek boy. <laughs> I just please don't let it be that difficult. <laughs> Um, but they're amazing. Uh, kids kind of, you know, it's kind of like, uh, they put everything in perspective. You guys are great parents. You know, one of the things I love about coming to your house, what's that? Every freaking time. I was about to say every fucking time. Every freaking time. Excuse like God, me. you didn't say fucking. <laughs> excuse me. Every freaking time I come over, the kids are playing together. They're not on their computers. They're oh, yeah. running around playing with swords or whatever toy they find having a ball with each other. Yeah. Like we used to do before there were video games and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's one thing I always admire and love. We 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 had them they had no visual entertainment for the first two years. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, we just didn't let the TV come on mm-hmm. in their presence. And now, you know, Scott's going to have differing attitudes about mm-hmm. it. Get into parenting and and, sc- and screen content for sure. a minute. But um, I believe in the benefit of... of teaching them the ways of emotional suspense of dealing with emotional suspense in mm. narrative scotch like which is basically star wars clone wars and, <laughs> and star wars uh, rebels um i realized uh i was part of this gina davis panel at the writers guild and mm-hmm. and i, I realized, was there that was a great one but i realized i i got very sensitized to the women i mean it's easy to see diverse color mm-hmm. i realized uh, what am I showing the superhero, the DC uh, yeah. superhero stuff we're showing them? What are we showing the yeah. girls? What are the girls mm-hmm. seeing? Good point. And I was like, we're not watching that anymore. Yeah. One, they're more violent, but two, there's no women of power. Mm-hmm. Right. And Wonder Woman runs around in her bustier and all that. That's just. And, <laughs> but I realized Star Wars felt to me like Star Wars Clone Wars as a very strong, and, and Rebels is even more so. They're, like, mm-hmm. they're figuring it out in the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. that women need to have power. Mm-hmm. And so I actually like Clone Wars is like better directed than most than three of those movies. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, a vision. Your kids watch that? Oh, they watch Clone Wars, yeah. They love it. And I watch them. Wow. I watch their faces. Scotch hates it. They will sit with their mouth. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, they, give, they become a gape. Yeah. They're a gape. Yeah. <laughs> and some yeah. of them are too intense so we turn them off. Mm. But most of them, they sit there a gape and I'm always checking in and I go, Hogan, you okay? He goes, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, it's just it's funny and mm. the, the girls sit next to me and Hogan always sits off to his side. Mm. And if Scotch prefers, they watch education 
motivational stuff, mm-hmm. like with where they have bright smiles on their faces. Yes. And I'm like Franklin. I like, I like suspense when I was five. So that's when <laughs> I got the bug. I saw the reason I'm a director. Mm-hmm. I if if I find anything else is I was watching an episode of a 1967 um, uh, animated series called Johnny Quest. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Doug Wildey. <laughs> Johnny yeah. Quest. Mm-hmm. It was on primetime television yeah. at 7.30, and it was an invi- episode about an invisible electric blob. Mm. Yep. And it scared the living mm-hmm. bejesus out mm-hmm. of me at five. But it was exciting. Too. I know that villain. I it was, it, villain. and I just wanted life to always be that exciting. <laughs> and that's been my whole drive of mm-hmm. storytelling. Is like that's why I love genre. I like I love suspense. I love life and death stakes. Mm-hmm. I love extreme heightened stakes mm-hmm. with you know with with comedy with mm-hmm. character comedy. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just because it was it's Johnny Quest. It's mm-hmm. trying to get back to that. I love that. My husband does accuse me that he's my haji <laughs> <laughs> and i had never thought about that you have to why if your kids like that then you have to uh, expose them to the legend of cora Legend of Korra. Korra. It's like Avatar. Yeah. And it's a continuation, but she is the main. So they're, they're these benders of air and water oh, and stuff like that. C-O-R-A? K-O-R-R-O. K-O-R-R-O. The Legend of Korra. Korra. Oh, Korra. But it's okay. Korra. But Korra. the ah comes from where? If it's an O. I'm sorry. It's Korra. It's C-O-R-R-A. Okay. Legend of okay. Korra. Okay. And is this the Airbender series? That, that it's an Airbender. But it's Air... No, Air... <laughs> I just asked. I never okay, M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan took the series from Nickelodeon right. and casted no Asian kids. Because oh, cool. there's Asian kids in the series, and it was a huge Nickelodeon show. Right. And then they continued it with The Legend of Korra, and she's, the, she's a bender okay. too. Okay, good. But it's, she's a female protagonist. Because I want the Gita Davis Foundation to like put out their list oh, of, love like, that, yeah. of like, are they, I don't know they have one, the list of like gender positive, you oh, know. Didn't and, she say that they had a list? I don't want to ask for one, and then she sure. never get, I never got it. You know, I was like, so now. I'm, they you know. do have one. Um, I, I saw her at the NAACP thing and they mm. do have one but I don't know if they put they have all this data and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. but you gotta realize hey, you know Star Wars is like the ultimate diversity world yeah, I mean it's like Star Trek it's like that <laughs> love Star yeah. Trek Thank you. love that yeah. but, but what's, like, what's um, interesting about Star Trek is that they they shot that pilot three times which one? Oh, the the, the, cave, the, the menagerie. Yeah, and, um, and they shot it three times and it's only in the third iteration hmm. that it became the sort of federation of planets that we know, the sort of better oh, vision. Okay. The hallmark of the Gene Roddenberry universe entered in the third iteration of that pilot. The sort of like all-inclusive, mm-hmm. like the great, like I look around the world and said, we better hope there's a federation of fucking planets. <laughs> <laughs> we don't seem to be getting along that well. <laughs> you know, but someday we all figure out how to like work together, mm-hmm. like Gene Roddenberry said. Exactly. You know why that the, the guy, the original lead, did not do the show? I heard the story and I forget. But his wife said it'll never sell. It won't be anything. <laughs> oh, so do right. something else because you're a star. You're a you're a oh, right, right. Uh, Cary wow, Grant yeah. kind of guy. And so they got you know William Shatner. Yeah, William Shatner. But that guy because he was the you know the I'm gonna I'm he's the broad shoulder, the mm-hmm. eyes and the hair. And she's like, no, you're a star. Don't don't do we that. We just honored the director of that pilot. He did he did wow. uh, Bob Butler. He did the pilot for that. He did the pilot for. Batman. Wow. Again, the campy was, Batman? Yes. Ah, the, the, the original. 
so anyways, but the, the, the weirds, uh, like the, like Batman, you, you almost think in the day, is a little like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this, in this day, it was like this hipster, <laughs> crazy... With crazy angles. <laughs> funky music. It was, cool. it was like funny how it was like this crazy... And the things that people pop, celebrities popped out of windows. And, and yeah, right. Yeah, why they're going, like, why what is happening? <laughs> like, as a kid, you loved it, but as an adult, you're like, what is happening in this show? <laughs> Yeah. I loved that they'd be climbing up the window and yeah, Phyllis Diller would come out and be like, what are you kids doing up here? <laughs> All the famous people would always pop out a window. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Todd. Sure. I it's appreciate you being here. I know you're super busy and, you know, it means a lot for you to come out and hang out with us over here on the Rant Room. Happy to. You know. Thanks for doing such a great job producing faux show for Todd <laughs> Of course. And we, we got more to talk coming. about with some of his like Wonderfalls, which is a quirky kind of show. Well, stuff, we have to have you back. Have you know what I mean? We'll have to get you back in because uh, I know you... You always got all kind of shit going on. So and stories. Sorry. Exactly. Because I also want to talk about um, next time we could talk about how, you know, the things you do at the DGA. Sure. You know, how involved you are with those things and Way. making sure we have more diversity and like all that yeah. stuff like that so that yeah. we can get into it's that. Important. So, yeah. All right. Happy to come back. All right. So uh, where can people find you? Can any, can people hit you on Twitter? Or do you prefer to have I that? I am at Todd Holland 3. At Todd Holland 3. I, I think, heard it I, here. I think I was the original Todd Holland, but I didn't use Twitter at first. And then <laughs> I forgot all my logins. I think. <laughs> and so I, when I finally tried it again five years later, I was like, I guess I'm Todd Holland 3 now. But I had three kids. So I thought it kind yeah. of. Oh, that's it works. cute. It works. But, yeah. And he's on, he's on Twitter all the time. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> what about you, Kev? Where are you at? They can't find me. I'm incognito. You incognito. That's right. right. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Killer underscore brew Killer underscore at brew. Twitter. Right. Yeah, Twitter. That's what I am. I, I, I hate the people that do the ones you can't find. Now, Twitter has a bad search engine. You've got to find Yeah, it's terrible. So if you don't have your name in it, it's just terrible. like fun goo. It's awful. <laughs> um, and where are you at? What about, you want to tell anybody about what you're doing with your... Um, your health and everything, or what? Um, I'm not doing anything. If anybody has any RD questions, that's my little side gig. I'm fully embracing my spiritual, creative, health thing. So if you, you know, hit up Hilliard if you want to have any dietary questions or anything like that. So. <laughs> but uh, and writing questions too, and creative questions. Hey, hit me up. Okay, cool. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter. I like to say it like that, like I'm cool as shit. (laughs) (laughs) It worked. You know what I'm saying? On Twitter, at Hilliard Guest, or you can follow me. Can't even speak. Or you can follow follow the show at Screenwriters RR, because the rant room is too long. Ain't that a bitch? You know? You should be able to say what you want to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tyler's name like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Screenwriters are, are. Um, And if you guys have any questions for us You can hit us at Screenwriters Rant Room Don't forget to shout out to the countries that I'm about to Oh, I'm sorry Hold on I'm sorry Wait for it I'm a, yeah. <laughs> If you guys have any questions You can hit us at ScreenwritersRantRoom At gmail.com Special, special shout out To a couple of our top countries I usually give it like the top 10 oh, wow. um, We're all over the place We're in over 80 countries Wow Dude, that's crazy um, of course, United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, Brazil, France, Australia, the Ukraine, India, Japan, Serbia, Mexico, Cayman Islands. I'm going to stop at Singapore. I could keep going, but I'm going to stop there. I would have so, censured myself had I known all those people. Were <laughs> <laughs> they can't understand what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> now we just try to give people just a real show where we have a real conversation. Yeah. You see, I don't have a bunch of notes. We're just talking. Yeah, you know no I mean? notes, people. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what I mean, the hell they're doing. <laughs> we're, we're all confused here. And we'd like to confuse the guests, too. Yeah, 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 no, plan. Like to no plan. No plan. <laughs> so at the end, I say we keep it what? We keep it 2015. You can yes. join them with us. Yeah, okay? I can join it now. Y'all ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. Y'all know how we do it on the rant room. On this show, I'm about to go through back to the top again. <laughs> <laughs> on this show, we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? 2015. Welcome to the Ramble. 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 Ramble